0: Welcome to another episode of Multiverse Musings, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Adam, and this episode, I'm on my own because uh, it's a very special episode, and uh, given that I wanted to get something out uh, right away, as soon as possible, I couldn't uh, organize with one of my uh, multitude of co-hosts to sit in with me, but hopefully in the future for these types of episodes, I will be able to. here at the network, we were fortunate enough, uh, to be sent, uh, a advanced copy of the magic order book two, uh, issue one. And that of course is, uh, a middle Our world, uh, production. Uh, and, um, it's written by the fantastic, uh, Mark Millar and, uh, book two is actually uh, drawn by the great uh, Stuart Eminen, uh, most of you who are comic readers are familiar with these two names. They're very prolific in the comic industry. And uh, so we were sent an advanced copy of uh, the Magic Order book Two, uh, issue number one. And uh, we've, I've always wanted to uh, start uh, reviewing uh, Mark Millar's creator-owned work. And this is a perfect opportunity to get that uh, kick started. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today. Uh obviously, The Magic Order, uh, book two, is a sequel to the first volume. Um, I'm not going to review the first volume right here and now. Uh, I, I will circle back at some point, and uh, hopefully we'll do a review of volume one. But essentially, what The Magic Order is, it's basically... I remember in the lead up to the original book, um, Mark Millar would advertise it as uh, "Harry Potter meets the Sopranos," and sort of that is a very uh, apt uh, description that he gave of his of his work in volume one. Uh, basically, it's uh, the first chapter. Is a story about a group of five families of wizards, and they're entrusted to keep the world safe from supernatural and magical threats. Um, and then what's cool is that the members of the order basically live normal lives, and their true nature remains unknown to the rest of the world. But, you know, some of them basically perform magic. What we would consider normal magic shows and stuff like that. Um, the interesting, uh, the, the the cool, you know, crazy stuff starts in issue, you know, in book one, I should say, when one of the members of the magic order uh, is assassinated, and uh, so then it becomes like a murder mystery type thing to figure out who uh, the assassin was and to stop them. Um, the main characters in book, uh, in book one were Leonard Moonstone. He is the sort of the patriarch of, of the Moonstone family and the leader of the magic order. Uh, we have, uh, Cordelia Moonstone, who is his daughter and they kind of have, um, the sort of an estranged relationship, um, She's a professional uh, escapologist by day. Um, Basically, she is at odds with her father because she's very rebellious. She would use her magic in public um, to kind of seek attention. And she's a bit of an alcoholic, um, but she's always, she was often looking ways to prove herself to her father and then uh, in some ways became uh, the black sheep or a troublemaker type of uh, uh, figure within her family Uh, and then ultimately by the end of book one she, you know, um, proves herself as a very uh, formidable and capable, capable I should say, uh, magician. (laughs) Um, We have another character uh, Gabriel Moonstone, who is essentially Leonard's uh, older son, he's uh, the most reliable uh, of the sons. Uh, he, sorry, uh, Regan Moonstone is the is the more reliable um, of the two sons. He is the younger son, I should say, and um, he would often accompany accompany his father uh, on his various performances you know he's a bit of a hothead and uh he basically is very impatient and aggressive uh, in confronting certain situations so that that's Regan then we have uh Gabriel who is basically Leonard's older son and he has the uh, he's a very gifted magician but he is very intent on leading a mundane life with his uh, wife and sort of left the world of magic behind him. And that all came about because of the tragic uh, death of his daughter due to a accident involving his magic wand. Um, Once this happened, he blamed himself and magic for the whole scenario. Um, Then we have Edgar Moonstone, who is Leonard's brother, uh, in the book you'll often hear him being referred to as uh, Uncle Edward. Um, he's sort of like uh, the guardian of the Moonstone Castle. Um, he's a very he's very powerful. Uh, he's got like apocalyptic type magical powers. Um, uh, he Kind of reminds me of just more so in book two, which I'll talk about in a second, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Remember the Monsters? The old show. Uh, he reminds me of the grandpa. You know, the Dracula vampire type figure, character on that show. He kind of reminds me of that uh, character. Um, so that's the core um, Moonstone family. Now uh, when when One of the magicians in the magic order, uh, Eddie uh, Lazowski is assassinated. Uh, The members of the magic order uh, basically put the blame on um, Madame Albany and basically she's uh, Leonard's uh, cousin. uh, And basically They accuse her. She takes offense to that accusation, and and storms off. But in in the end, you know, through the course of Book One, you find out that she is the architect of you know the murder and you know the murders that follow in the book, and she has a sort of uh, I guess accomplice minion that, that carries out the assassinations and he's called uh, the Venetian uh, and uh, he's called the Venetian because of his uh, attire and his Venetian uh, robes. And so that was kind of cool. Also the Venetian as a character name is a pretty menacing uh, character name, if I do say so, uh, myself. Uh, I I think it it, it works really well as a villainous type of of name. So, basically, she's um, Lady uh, Albany, or Madame Albany, I should say, is looking for, is is basically trying to steal this uh, magical tome and she's trying to overthrow Uh, the magic order and take control uh of uh magic and um you know and sort of be the be be the omnipotent ruler of 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 all things magic so that's her end game is is to get that magical tome and 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 take control and along the way to do so she she's picking off and killing a lot of the members uh of the families in the magic order You know, uh, Mark Millar, like as I said earlier, in volume one, um, compared this to um, to the Sopranos meets, uh, you know, uh, Harry Potter. I'd also throw in a little bit of Game of Thrones in in there for volume one, because there is a lot of (laughs) death in volume one. There's also a lot of twists and turns, which... You don't really expect. Um, one of the twists and turns is that um, Gabriel Moonstone, who is the, is, the, is the Moonstone family member who's living a mundane uh, life, you know, the daughter died in a tragic accident, ends up being revealed to be uh, the Venetian. And he's working with uh, Madame Albany. And the reason why he's turned on his family is because uh, she's promised to uh, bring back, bring his daughter back to life. Um, and so that's why he agrees to turn on his family and, and work with her. Um, literally when I say I, I, I threw in a little bit of Game of Thrones comparison into this is because there are a lot of the main characters in the magic order volume one, uh, that die at some point in the story that are killed you know, in the course of battle and, they, and uh, with uh, Madame Albany. And so you know, Leonard Moonstone uh, is killed at one point. Um, Regan Moonstone is killed at one point Uh, so like when you're that's the the cool thing about book one was that um, you know you really because of the nature of the premise (coughs) weren't sure weren't uh, weren't sure um, who's going to live or who's going to die so book one Ends with this um, major battle, um, where basically, um, once certain members of the, of through the course of that final battle, um, Cordelia uses uh, uh, after memorizing the 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 magic tome that that. Um, that Madame Albany is after, Cordelia uses the spells in that uh, tome to resurrect the dead members of the magic order, including Reagan and Leonard. And to resurrect them, she sacrifices uh, Madame Albany's allies uh, to do that. Um, So basically, In an intense battle, um, Leonard uh, kills uh, Madame Albany, um, uh, and uh, basically Gabriel overpowers the magic order members, uh, basically demanding them to surrender so that he can have his daughter back. Uh, But Cordelia basically makes a deal with Gabriel to sacrifice himself uh in order to resurrect his daughter uh, Gabriel uh, accepts and then dies as his daughter is uh, resurrected um and so that is basically uh the gist of uh of um, book one um it's not uh, at the end Reagan uh, takes Rosetta which is the daughter of of um, Gabriel and takes her under his care and and vows to like raise her. Um, Basically Leonard then decides to resign as the head of the magic order and leaves uh, Cordelia in charge. And uh, basically that's sort of like a a full circle moment because it's, the beginning of the, the reparation of the relationship between father and daughter, and shows some level of trust on Leonard's part that he trusts his daughter to take this responsibility. So that's essentially book one in, in a as as brief of a description that I could I could give. I, I want to encourage everybody to go out and read uh, book one. You you, you I, it's. It's highly recommended and you kind of need to, to really get the full understanding of issue one of book two. So I recommend definitely reading it. Uh, Go through uh, either uh, your local comic book shop if they have a copy of uh, volume one, the graphic novel or go through comiXology. Uh, You should be able to find uh, book one there. Um, Just to give you some context before I start in on, on, uh, the Magic Order Book 2, Issue 1. I am not a hardcore Harry Potter or Sopranos fan. I'm a casual fan of both. So when Mark Millar, you know, uh, uses those two to kind of describe his book, that was intriguing, but it wasn't the selling point. I am a massive fan of of Mark Millar uh, as a comic writer, um you know, I've lo- I loved his stuff uh, at Marvel. You know, uh, he worked on Ultimate Fantastic Four, Ultimate X Men. Uh, he did uh, Old Man Logan, which was fantastic. Uh, he worked on the Ultimates, which is the basis for the uh, uh, the first Avengers uh, film, and a lot of the concepts you see there uh, come from that book. Um, uh, he, from, uh, on the DC front, he worked on the uh, uh, Superman, the animated series uh, comic book. And he also did uh, Superman Red Sun, which is one of the greatest uh, DC books ever told, in my opinion. Uh, and then when he went out on his own and created his own company, you know, I, I, I kept following him and, and reading his work. Uh, things like Wanted, uh, Kick-Ass, uh, which have all you know, both been turned into uh, successful movie franchises. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Kingsman, we've got um, a newer one, Prodigy. We've got um, American Jesus, which is another one I, I really enjoy. One of my favorites is um, uh, oh, there's so many uh, which one am I thinking of? Uh, Reborn is another one with, that he did with Greg Capullo, uh, um, so there's so many, uh, I mean, that I could, I could name, but I've literally, I'm a couple, I'm behind on a couple of the more recent ones, but the point being is that everything Mark Malara has done, to some degree, um, I have either liked or, or loved the book. There, there isn't one that I haven't liked. And uh, given that I'm not, you know, a, a, a super fan of, of magic or, or, or mafia stuff, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to react to this book, uh, book one, I, I, I mean, and book one, I, I was, by the end of it, I was totally engrossed with what was going on, uh, I was totally swept up in it, and. Yes, it's got all the magical trappings. It's got all the, you know, all the, all the, the intrigue and betrayal and the, the the murder that you expect from a from a sort of a mob type soprano story. All that is mixed in. But I think what really makes the uh, the Magic Order book one and issue uh, one of book two work is because at its core, um, it's about Family, and regardless of all the all the magic stuff, uh, family is relatable uh, to every reader uh, because we all have one, and, and, and they're all different, and we all have unique situations. So that to me is the heart of the book, and and why uh, the story works uh, so well. Um, on to so. Like I said, I was really impressed with book one and I ended up uh, loving it uh, quite a lot. So uh, in terms of book two, we start out six months uh, seemingly after the first book. And after um, Cordelia made that, you know, enacted that spell that resurrected uh, the magic order uh, or the dead members of the magic order and that uh, you know defeat uh, helped defeat uh, uh, Madame Albany and ultimately brought back her, uh, her her niece back to life um so we open up on you know what seems to be a factory worker who is basically being chastised, uh not being chastised but being forced to stay to the last minute uh, before he can leave um uh work um uh, we we see him and presumably his son uh, head off to uh to the park um they uh they meet up with their aunt and their aunt is like this this kind of stereotypical looking uh elderly woman who is sitting on a bench and the, and her older nephew asks her um what are you doing feeding the birds and she's like no i'm actually making using my magic to make the fish um eat each other <laughs> which is very uh dark um right right off the bat um and you know, uh, her elder nephew complains that you know they have to suppress their magic because of the ma- you know the the magic order and how they've sort of got um, a, a a sort of a specific uh, rules in place to to hide their hide the magic from, from everyday regular folk. And her, her elder nephew um, wants her uh, to show uh, her, I guess it would be her great nephew, uh, like some of the capabilities of their uh, true power. Um, and so she does. And she does so by having um, uh, the cops Uh, that are that are present just start shooting people Uh, and then to clean up the mess she has the cops shoot each other Um, again uh, her elder nephew then starts complaining about how they are you know descendants of a powerful magician and how they really should be uh, ruling the show um, in terms of, uh, and just basically not having to suppress their powers, but they should be, uh, almost like they they don't wanna live among the humans. They wanna, they wanna, um, they wanna, they want to rule, basically. He, he wants they want, they want to be uh, superior. So um, that's you. We're we're already what Mark Millar sets up is there's that through this one scene is that you and they are descendants. This this family that I'm talking about are uh, uh, descendants of a character named Soren Korn and. Uh, basically this this trio this this family trio are going to be a threat uh, to the to the magic order and the moonstone family at least that's what it sets up initially um then we basically cut to a scene where um basically it is um let's see here uh, just looking through my issue as I, uh, as I read here to get some of the names, uh, keep some of the names straight. Um, Reagan is on patrol uh, to, to sort of, he's basically making sure that if there are any magical uh, uh, issues arising, he takes care of it and cleans it up. And yeah, we're basically now in Detroit and um Regan comes upon um, a, a, a basically a murder scene where uh, everybody in the house except for uh, the young child has uh, been murdered by an um, by what they refer to as an imaginary friend. And so this poor kid is locked in a bath, in a bathroom. And, um, and so Regan goes in and essentially sees the devastation, you know, uh, uh, bodies on the floor. Um, and, um, and, um, you know, the kids locked in the bathroom and he's asking about, uh, if his mom and dad are okay, of course they're not. Uh, and so Regan uh, is trying to get some information out of him and, and is basically saying, you know, tell me about your imaginary friend. And basically, the, the young boy says he drew um, this imaginary friend uh, on, on the floor. And would you know hold his hand and 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 spend, when he came home from school. So clearly, this this young child felt alone, and and you know uh, I, I don't know if the implication is that he was having a tough time at school or didn't have many friends. But either way, um, he drew him on the floor and, uh, or, or on on the ground in chalk and and sort of would would sort of spend time with him because he was lonely. So regardless of whether he was being bullied at school or whatnot, um, uh, he, you know, the fact that he had to, that a kid was in that situation, really, it, again, this book takes you to really, that scene, that opening, you know, these opening scenes take you to a really dark place. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, fluffy, uh Party tricks that were de- ma- magic here that we're dealing with. It's some really dark stuff. Um, um, so then he has to, um, the kid basically uh, has to m- imagine uh, th- his imaginary friend in pain uh, so that he could become visible. And then, um, and, and and be killed. And so, he does, which uh, which he's he eventually does, um, and Reagan is able to take him down, and then um, and end end the threat. Um, so then, from there, he, the book catches up with Cordelia. Now we find her we find her um, in bed with um, I guess it was a fan uh, of hers at one of her shows. Um, she actually did a uh, a tightrope act in uh, Niagara Falls, so Niagara Falls, um, Canada is mentioned, uh, you know, uh, I'm in Toronto. So seeing uh, a a place that I visited in uh, one of Mark Miller's books um, is pretty cool. Um, So we see her, she's had this this, uh, sort of one night stand scenario with this fan she basically tells Uncle Edward, you know, um, send him away. Uh, let Let's do a, a a spell so that he forgets this encounter. Uh, she offers to give him uh, a signed poster <laughs> since he was such a fan of her show, and uh, she she's off to her niece's birthday party. As I mentioned, uh, you know the, the the niece is now uh, under the care of uh, of Regan, and and is trying to the the whole family is really trying to uh, give her a sense of normalcy after all that happened in book one. Um, I, I mean, normalcy is as much as you could get when your family uh, is a bunch of magicians. Um, What I like about the birthday party scene is that it's like an outdoor barbecue and like every family member possible seems to be there. Like it's a big uh, extended family uh, kind of barbecue party type of deal. Um, And what was cool about this scene is that being of, of Italian descent, I kinda understand what those big family parties are are like and it's chaotic and you've got stories being told, you know, grievances being aired and it's just, these big parties are crazy. And, you know, and it was really relatable to see that many people at a party, at a barbecue and all the kind of conversations being had. Obviously not the magical parts, but but that big family gathering, was kind of very relatable, um, but in in the in those scenes, we see that Cordelia did not have a gift uh, for her niece. She basically just gave her the money that whatever money she had in her pocket. And the fact that Cordelia, when we catch up with her, is you know sort of engaging in a one night stand. She probably was drunk. So so like. There, she still has the character. I don't know if character, the character traits from the first one, from the first book. Some may think of them as flaws. Um, so she, even though she's the leader now of the magic order, she hasn't overcome. Like she, the character is still going through a a, a growing process, um, and uh, she. Hasn't really uh, sort of become the leader that you'd expect um, of the Magic Order. Now, having said that, it's only been six months, and she was it just handed the the, the reins of, of being the, the leader of the Magic Order. So, I wouldn't expect her to be uh, to have have really progressed all that much in that role in six months plus. This is book one or issue one of book two, and you want to see that character growth and progression play out through the course of the series. So I'm glad that it didn't happen off screen uh, or, or off panel, I should say, not off screen. Um, so hopefully we will we will get to see that her, her character grow and progress even more as we go along. The character uh, of Cordelia reminds me a bit of... Uh, Was it Chloe Sampson from the uh, from Jupiter's Legacy early on? So hopefully, uh, Cordelia will have a similar um, character uh, growth uh, through the course of uh, the Magic Order Book Two. Um, The book ends with um, a magical immortal character on a plane. Uh, that's getting ready to land, and uh, he's in an. Uh, this character's name is Zhang, and he's in an argument with a stewardess who is telling him, "You know, fasten your seatbelt because we're going to land now." Uh, and uh, Zhang refuses and says, uh, "It won't matter uh, to me. Uh, uh, I'm sorry that this plane is going to crash." And uh, he basically, because he's an immortal. Uh, likes to test different ways that he could die and then depending on you know oftentimes we use the insurance money to to to, to uh to to you know uh, to, to gain wealth and, and things of that nature but really because he's immortal he, he just likes to uh find different ways to die uh and then he he uh, remarks to uh, the person that he's with uh, the, again he talks about how back in the day uh, you know uh, magicians used to rule the world uh, there used to be you know dragons in the world and now everybody's ruled by technology and uh, he has their face stuck in their cell phone and either he wants to take uh, the world back to the good old days so there's the implication that he's going to be another challenger to the to the to the magic order Um, and that's how really the book ends with with a really uh, gruesome uh, plane crash but then the image of of zhang rising through the, the 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 rubble and about to make his play so now uh, that's how the issue ends and this book two sets up uh, itself very interesting because while in book one you had basically Madame Albany as the as the main threat of course the Venetian was was um, was working with her but Madame Albany was that was the main threat to uh, the magic orders um, sort of um, rule and hierarchy in, in the magic community. Now there are two threats uh, here looking to, uh, to supplant them and, and take over and take control. So that's gonna be a, r- a really interesting uh, uh, dynamic to see play out. And, and I think uh, trouble is on the horizon for uh, the Moonstone family and, and what's left of the magic order. Um, I really liked uh, issue one of book two. Uh, it basically allows us to quickly, uh, you know, get reacquainted with uh, the core main characters that we saw from the first book and see what they're up to while also uh, setting the stage for what's to come and uh, that's the mark of any good um, good first issue is to to set the table and keep you intrigued and want you to, it gets you to want to come back for more and this book certainly does that um, I'm, I'm definitely eager to see um, what what the new threats? Um, you know, how the new threats present themselves to the magic order, and like I said, I'd like to see more of of uh, Chloe and Hope. Hopefully, more growth from her as a character. Um, I, I think that's something uh, that uh, that I'll be on the lookout for, um, and also. Um, I um, I want to see um, more of Uncle Edward uh, Edgar, sorry, because uh, I just think that character is so uh, much fun uh, to watch. Uh, he's, he's he's like that again. He's got a little bit of a kooky character, and um, and I always like those characters. So. Uh, I hope we see more of him. And again, he's got a power that is, that is, that is, uh, is quite, uh, he's quite impressive. So when, 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 when they really need him, that's when he'll come into play. If it's anything like the first one. And I, and I can't wait to see it. And also I want to see uh, more from uh, young Rosetta, who's in the care of her uncle, um, uh, Regan. And, uh, I, I think that she is, uh, uh, going to have a surprise role to play in this uh, in book two, hopefully. Um, so, I'm looking forward to a lot of things, and um, um, I can't wait to see issue two, and um, and how how it all unfolds. Now, I will say one thing that I forgot to mention: I think that it's really cool that the Moonstone Castle. Is hidden in an oil painting at the Art Institute of Chicago. That is just like the, the most, you know. We're dealing with a magical world, and and I, I I like the the sort of balance between grounding these people in some sort of reality, but still embracing that you're telling a uh, a tale that involves magic and embracing that craziness, off the wall insanity that often comes with magical stories. So, the the the, the mansion being or, or the castle being in a in an oil painting is a really cool uh, invention that I that I forgot to mention earlier. So overall, I really am intrigued by the Magic Order Book Two, Issue One. I can't wait to see. Um, where it's going and in terms of the writing or the story I should say I'll give it a solid four and a half out of five and um for the art by Stuart Eminen I'm going to give it a five out of five uh my favorite um my favorite pages were probably the ones where um Regan um has to do battle and stop um, the, uh, the, the, the invisible, uh, uh, you know, uh, the invisible friend of that, of that young, young kid. Uh, It was, it was gruesome uh, to see like, like the, the, the murder that he caused, but then watching, uh, Regan take him down uh, was pretty uh, pretty awesome. I really liked the use of uh, how they depicted the magical um, energy coming out of the uh, out of Regan's wand. That was really well done. Um, the colors in those scenes uh, were were really. Uh, mm-hmm like really popped off the page and and I uh, shout out to uh, the colorist on this book uh, because um, they really, it really enhances um, Stuart Eminen's uh, work. I I also liked the scenes where the colors are really um, work, uh, Another page where they're really strong are is the opening pages with, um, with the aunt and her, and her nephew and great nephew in the in the park uh, because it's the you know you could see uh, the sun is going down and it's just a beautiful sort of picturesque imagery, but there's you know strangeness and darkness in terms of the story being told. So it's that juxtaposition of the of the imagery with the story being told that, that I think is really strong. So the colors were really good in that scene and as was the art. Um, but yeah, my favorite pages would have to be, uh, would have to be um, Regan uh, taking down, uh, Taking on Chatterbox, the invisible, uh, the imaginary friend of of that young uh, that young child, uh, that that was just some uh, dark stuff, um, and it it just it, it looked incredible. Um, I mean, the imaginary friend was impaled with 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 what seemed to be giant scissors. Uh, so imagine that imagery uh, as your. Uh, as I'm describing it, or as i'm I'm telling it to you. Um, so yeah, the art is fantastic. and and also that one panel with the uh, of the um, uh. in Niagara Falls, uh, that was cool. Uh, as I said, I am a uh, anytime I could see uh, Toronto or or landmarks in in in, uh, in and around Toronto, such as Niagara Falls, depicted in a medium I love that is comic books, I I appreciate it. So that was the imagery that I I gravitated towards the most. Uh, And so, yeah, uh, a really, really great start to The Magic Order, book two, issue one. I'm rambling a bit, uh, so we'll end it here. But overall, as I said, four and a half out of five for the story and five for the art. So a total of nine and a half out of 10. Uh, the magic has returned, and I can't wait to see uh, the spellbinding adventure that unfolds in issue two and beyond. That'll be it for now. Uh, we'll be back next time with, uh, hopefully, another issue review of, uh, of the magic order. and. Uh, we will definitely do more of Mark Millar's uh, catalog. I'll definitely go back and review some, some of his older works. And also, hopefully, I'll have a guest host, as I usually do, or a co-host, I should say, with me. But in the meantime, if you'd like to uh, get a hold of me on social media, you can uh, at Adam underscore on Twitter. Uh, We also have a Twitter page for the podcast network itself at MMNPDC. We also have a Facebook group, which will be somewhere in the link below. Click it. I will add you, and we can continue the conversation there. But until next time, remember that the magic order is forever. From the first spell to the last. So long, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>